Hey there, welcome into Better Advertising with Better AMS. I am your host, Justin Knuckles, along with my co-host, Destiny Washan. Today we're joined with a guest, Mr. Josh Justice, alongside us to lend strategy from one of the greatest toy brands in the world, the Lego Group. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks, guys. We are super excited to have you. For those who don't know, Josh is incredible on LinkedIn. I think that's how we initially got connected two years ago. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. And finally, we've got you on the podcast to actually pick your brain about very specific topics. Yeah, I love it. And like Destiny, you and, um, oh my gosh, I'm brain farting. Not George. Um, Gabriel. Co- Gabriel. Like, yeah. You guys have both like, we'll chat back and forth and you've sent me looms before. And I'm like, I love talking shop. <laughs> and um, I think that's what is pretty great about most of the e-commerce you know, community is people like yeah. to share things and share tips. And, and uh, I've been that way for years. And it's, it's always awesome connecting with like-minded people like, and you know, like Brett, I don't know how to say Brett's last name, like connecting with Brett. I talked to Brett. We supposed yeah. to have met up at Legoland, like, I don't know, 10 different times. It hasn't happened yet. Um, but yeah. So, so what I'm hearing is no one in the industry knows what the hell we're doing, which is why we have to lean on each other for support and just fake it till we make it at this point. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's, everybody has their own little quirks and ways of doing things like, generally like campaign structures can vary. Sometimes they're super detailed. Like I know yours is super detailed. Mine is probably less detailed. And I don't know, you're kind of getting to the same like destination for the most part. And um, at the end of the day, I say that it's like dating. You, you match up the right words with the right amount of money and the right timing and good things happen. Much like dating my wife, right? Like it's <laughs> dated the right person. So um Really, it's just at the end of the day, you're just getting the right product with the right word to the right customer. So when you simplify it, it's pretty simple. And Josh, you've been around the e-commerce community for quite a while, like you said. Um, Now you're with the Lego Group and before you've been with some other e-commerce companies. So um, you've really specialized in advertising and e-commerce marketing. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would say more focused on advertising the last four years, whereas before... When you work at a small company, you really have to learn it all. And I learned it all with my first brand. I did everything myself. I lived in China. I did the product images. I like went to the packaging district in Shenzhen. I had a mentor that had sold like tens of millions of dollars back in 2013. So this is like a long time ago. Um, I really just learned to advertise the basics of it then. And then as you level up and go places, you just learn like next level stuff. When I worked at Wonderman Thompson, I had a great mentor that really took me to the next level with advertising. And then, um, you know, it's just evolved too. Back then we were doing everything with Excel, right? You, you download an Excel sheet, you run a macros, you upload it. Um, maybe you guys still do some of that stuff. Um, cause it is still very effective. Um, but yeah, it's been around for a while. So I think that's the best way to, to really get into Amazon is just, is just learn it all. And that was definitely back in the glory days when, you know, things were much easier to, you know, rank and, and become a bestseller in. But uh, also the days before we had experts in like every seat of, you know, supply chain and and marketing. So you really were forced to learn it all at that time. Yeah, like I remember I was looking through some old emails and I have an email I sent to Take a Metrics in 2017 and I was looking at their kind of like one pager and it was like for a repricer. And then like helping with sponsor product ads only for a seller central account. Like it was so niche or like 
yeah, like I was saying, we were using Excel and using SQL and Python, which is still used today, but that was like, that was your software tool. Which I've been dying to ask you this campaign structure. You know, we go very, very granular, single skew, not necessarily single keywords, but very limited in terms of strategic segmentation. Um, you're spot on. You're managing thousands of SKUs across many, many marketplaces. How do you prioritize and how do you balance 80-20 sponsored products still drives the majority of you know value. You have a little bit of a brand play there, but how do you segment and categorize your campaign organization? Yeah, definitely single async campaigns is the name of the game with maybe some of the, the, the ones at the end, maybe you can just throw into like a campaign with four or five products. Um, at, my, at my last company, even with the ones that were kind of on the lower end, I still would have single async campaigns um, and I would just group them in a portfolio really. And I would have like tiers of priorities there. So I'd have like a top tier of, of three products, then a top 10, a top 15 and a top 20. And the way my budget worked there was as our, my sales was increasing, so would my budget, um, on a quarterly basis. So then I was structured in a way where I had the campaign structure of like, um, typically I would do like phrase and exact and then broad, I, I often would not find a lot of value out of, so I would not do any kind of broad matches. But that came with time, right? I would just see like, okay, it's not bringing any new keywords to this thing. Because supplements, there's not a lot of innovation. But a new keyword might be like some product with 1,450 milligrams of whatever is trending. So like you just, so it's, nothing is changing a lot. So ditched a broad match after a while and then created smaller campaigns for just top keywords then eventually if it was really important like a top five keyword for a top five product like fish oil exact campaign fish oil phrase match campaign um because that was the 80 20 is quite literal with that like this was like the top keyword we needed for the company whereas like you're not going to have that at every brand in every category um and then with that even too like i got a little bit more granular with sponsored brands with that brand because I would also like have top five, 10 keywords. I want to make sure I'm winning my ACOS or my ROAS can be like a one or, or less. Um, but then my other SBAs, I would want to be like, you know, I'm still shooting for like a three or five or, or whatever with those. And so I think that's pretty common. I think it's, there's no one size fits all. I think you kind of have a general po- approach with like phrase and exact. And of course, exact matches, and my experience are going to serve 75% of the time on a keyword and your phrase matches is not. Um, seems to be pretty universal no matter what you're doing. Uh, you know, you know, the part of that I want to really hit on there is match types, long tail keywords, all of that's thrown around. We are big believers in every single aspect of it, but it is, it can be used in many different ways and you can have very similar outcomes. But the part I really like is the strategic budget distribution. I'm creating this campaign, targeting a few keywords, and I want a different outcome. I don't care about my ROAS. I'm creating this different campaign because I care about impression share. Or back then, it would have been just general. Let me type in my keyword and make sure I'm at the top of the page. But being able to set up those campaigns that are willing to target different goals is, I think, 
the biggest shift that I've seen over the last few years that we're finally able to do that and understanding the granularity and precision of targeting on Amazon. Definitely. And it's, you just have different goals for different products because, you know, like a, a vegan omega-3 is not, is not going to be the same as like a fish oil omega-3. And so like I would, you of course treat them differently. And, and with that brand, there's a bit of a legacy, right? It's 20 years old. The brand I work at now is like at 90 years old, different type of legacy, right? But in the supplement world, that's a long time. And, um, you know, we started looking at like repeat sales and like I came into supplements with, I had some light experience, but not at a brand that big. So I started looking at repeat purchase rates on a quarterly yeah. basis. I had a good manager that was like, okay, I want you to start tracking um, subscribers. And then it became a little bit addicting, right? Because back then you would get an update, I think every Monday or Tuesday, it was not sophisticated. And like, you couldn't even download the report. I would have to go in and like, man, I had this Excel sheet, I would manually go in. And every Friday during our team meeting, I'd be like, hey, these are the wins we've had this week. Um, And then Amazon, like if you have a good Amazon rep and they give you some good reporting, we had something where they were telling us like X amount of uh, buyers for your brand buy X amount more this year. So it's like, okay. So I'm like, okay, so my three ROAS is really like a seven or more. So then I go back to like my leadership, be like, okay, so like I can have a lower ROAS. Like, okay, you want me to have this role as go for the whole account. Well, then this subset of campaigns, we're going to go hard. And under a one, it's fine because we're seeing the subscribers increase so dramatically. And then after a while, after doing it for months and doing it across multiple products. So like I was saying, if I had more budget, I had like three or four more products that I would push into that fish oil spot, that omega-3 spot. And then after a while, they start ranking organically. Yeah. even like earlier this year, I was showing some colleagues like, hey, like uh, life cycles in the toy industry are, are not like supplements, right? You're not going to have yeah. even five years of reviews uh, unless it's like some kind of staple like T-ball set or something that just yeah. never changes. Um, so I was showing them. I said, we went on Amazon. I typed in Omega-3. I, I found like 13 Nordic Naturals organic placements. And that was like due to like the strategy we were doing then. And then it was handed off when I left. And they yep. kept the same one. And, um, but it costs a lot of money too, right? Like yeah. um, it's not cheap to do. And yep. I was so in the weeds with that account in such a way that I knew what brands <laughs> had budget when I could yep. say, oh, Nature's Bounty has a little bit of money. So they're spending this week. And I'm like, oh, I can bid higher and maybe they're going to tap out. And something yep. happened. Then I'd be like, now my seats are cheaper. I know this. And I know somebody else that does it in the toy industry. Um, I met somebody that like managed uh, this one kind of toy brand. I was like, hey, I saw what you were doing the holiday season, right? I was like, this is what you were doing. He's like, yeah, pretty much. Uh, so bidding high, getting people to tap out and then actually paying less than if they... But yep. it's a gamble. Like you, you end up spending a lot of money doing it and you have to know what your goal and your payoff is. You can't just randomly do it um, for fun, right? Like that's not going to work in the toy category most of the time. So. Yeah. Going back to subscribers, I think that was, is so critical is, you know, bringing the, you know, lifetime value of customers subscription rate into the conversation of advertising as cost per click goes up. It's like, this is not intended to be a profitable one-time sale. This is a customer acquisition cost. Right. 
very different thought process. I'm guessing that also with clients, like you have to like explain that if they're not accustomed to that. Um, Because it really depends on like the work culture you go in, right? When you work at a big company, they're accustomed to having marketing campaigns where you don't actually see a sales, you know, a sales dollar amount coming from that TV campaign. Like you can measure in other ways, but um, so yeah. I'm dying to ask about that. So I, you come from a very sophisticated company in terms of just how well educated you are, how well you speak to everything. It says a lot about the strategy you're leading and implementing. You would probably be surprised at the knowledge gap we still see in the space because it's, it's either OTT campaign running at a 0.7 ROAS strictly chasing impressions or a branded campaign at a $10 ROAS. We have really had to spend a lot of time educating the C-suite team or the leaders and the VPs of e-commerce that we're talking to on how to find the middle ground. If you don't need to go all the way to the OTT campaign, you're not even covering the term protein or highlighter or Sharpie. What? Well, I guess Sharpie's branded. <laughs> but there's a pretty big disconnect in that area still where they think it's got to be one or the other. We're only focusing on branded or we're only going top of the funnel and painting kind of the picture of why that middle ground matters has been a struggle I know that we've had. So I'm curious if you've had any experience with that. Yeah. You know, I've, you know, I, I try to talk to a peer at least once, like once a week, really. Like I talked to a guy, Keith yesterday that I met years ago. Awesome guy. We talked about, you know, a bunch of topics. I would say that it's actually pretty common, like that maybe not common where I'm at. Like, you know, you know, Silas, he used to work, he's like, he's one of the people that hired me. He did a really great job of like educating the company. Like there's like one-on-one docs that we still use that he created. And like, I like took some of those in for one of, um, for one of my colleagues that's kind of new to the e-commerce side and was showing them like, okay, like I didn't show them the whole one-on-one doc, but I showed them a lot to explain different things. But I think you're right. Cause you've just got a lot of people that are higher level executives that have probably never touched digital e-commerce. So like one thing I've done before is I went to Walmart. I found an end cap with some Lego, Lego sets, took a picture and I put it in a presentation that I had for like high level executives that I'm just, I just figure that they, they're not going to know if I say the digital shelf, Um, but like they've all spent time walking the stores, putting in the dues, traveling around like their region in their past roles. Um, so I did that to visualize it. And then I pulled like an Amazon search term report. I'm like, yes. okay, toys, this one aisle you see in this picture of Walmart where our products are at the end. Well, in this case, there was two products on that, on the end cap. One was a hot seller that we didn't even advertise because it would sell immediately. The yeah. second was one that was like a good product, but needed some advertising support. So I'm like, look, there's like two sets out of 30 slots for this one product. And the second one is like fully stocked. Yep. So I'm like, look at the digital shelf like this, go type in toys. And what are you going to see? Like we can like improve our, our presence there. Right. If you type in toys, you're really going to see a lot of brands out of Shenzhen for the most part, yep. maybe a couple, like, I don't know, like a slide or something like something that's been yep. around since we were kids. Yep. And so I think, yeah, I think it's always a challenge and I'm always learning how to communicate clear and clear in a more digestible way to people higher up. So I would say like, I used to think that 
as I worked with bigger brands at the agency side and now I've worked at bigger brands that like everyone would have it figured out. And it's not to say we have a ton of intelligent people, but I would say there's still a gap and companies are different. Some people move into e-commerce, maybe from like a retailer position. So they're learning. Whereas I think a lot of us that come to big companies where we've worked on the smaller side, yeah, I get some new colleagues that have the same background as us. We've worked on small brands. We've had those days at work where like, if you don't have the best title, like, <laughs> like you could be out of a job or you could lose a client. Yeah. Like, you've got yeah. to be always on. And so like, there's that, there's an opportunity, I think, coming into a company, whether you're the agency side or an employee where you've had to like work on the smaller brands that you can bring that to the table with the bigger brands. Cause maybe somebody might not know that because they worked at like on a Walmart brick and mortar account and they they're familiar with digital um, or they're always, what they're learning is just within the company. So, so I think, I don't know, you know, I was talking to another guy, which who you guys should interview Peter Brotea. Um, he was like the head of digital marketing. I know I'm messing up his title, but he worked at, Pharma packs are packable. And I worked with him like years and years ago. And yep. we recently caught up and we were talking about this same topic. Like um, there can be a gap in knowledge, but um, there's always so much to learn. And um, yeah, you should interview Peter. He's, he's wicked smart. He's been at this for a long right. time. And, and shoot uh, us an intro. We'll, yeah. we'll hop on. It is awesome. So, so yeah, I think I'm getting off topic. I don't know. I, I don't even remember the first. We didn't have a topic. We're good. <laughs> oh, you're just talking about, yeah, bigger company. To me, it, it makes sense. I remember when I worked at Wonderman, we had all these like brands, which I didn't know because when I got hired there, it was a small agency with like 60 people and we were acquired like the month I started. So then we are like constantly getting these bigger clients. And I'm like, my first couple weeks on the job, they're like, we don't have much for you to do. Go through all the client files. And I'm looking through the clients and I'm like, these are like everyday huge brands in my house, which at that time, a lot of brands would not let you put their brand name on your website and stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah. After all these years, um, I think just e-commerce has grown so fast and so quickly and people that have been in it a while move up in their career, they move on. And then it's just a whole new cycle of fresh young people that need to learn and learn quickly. So yeah, no, that is definitely true. I mean, that's I've only been in the Amazon space myself a couple of years ago. I I got started right out of college, so um, we're we're definitely learning from the veterans in the space like yourself. <laughs> that's cool. With that being said, do you um do you lead a team of e-commerce um, experts under you, or are you very much hands on in in your accounts? No, so we have a senior manager, and then myself and two other colleagues, um, and then we use technology and then we have an agency that helps support the managing side of that um, and so they're helping a lot with with you know digging in like with some analyst work saying like hey this is what we're noticing here's some suggestions just kind of newer um, so I've been more hands-off which is great because then you can kind of spend time kind of wandering around I think it's I think it's important to have the wandering time when you work in e-commerce whether it's walking the Amazon store or just digging I like to go into campaigns in the console yep. and look by portfolio, see if I see any outliers, open it up, look at yep. it, what are the search terms? And honestly, that's one of the most valuable things I find I can do because 
I found a lot of errors before. That way, like, oh shoot, we forgot to negate this handful of ASINs out of like a hundred ASINs or whatever. So this yeah. is inflating our unbranded ROAS. So then it's like when you want, you're looking to make adjustments, or like maybe I'm over budget or under budget, and you're looking to push. Like, well, if you didn't know that, you know half of this ROAS is is a branding, yeah. really kind of a branded campaign. Um, you might not be making decisions that actually help the organic sales. And so yes. me doing the wandering around, opening stuff up, um, I just think it's important to do. And it's so ingrained in me. I can never not do that. <laughs> and it's fun. And it's you never fun. know what new things you're going to find when you click into ad console. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I find like a competitor's product that we're advertising on. I'm like having kids too. I'm like, what is this thing? This is like, pretty cool. And like, even related to that, I've been doing a little less during the summertime because we're busy, but like, I'll take my kid to Walmart or Target. We'll walk the toy aisles. He wants to see the Lego products in person. So I'm looking at our products and then we just walk the aisles and just see what's out there. And I'm like, there's just incredible toy. Like (laughs) these toys as a kid, like what is this? Um, So yeah, it's kind of really like just seeing what else is out there. Cause yeah. We all get busy with our day-to-day. It's sometimes you're just in your bubble and it's good to get out on the internet. Stay curious. Stay curious. Yeah. That's one of the values at, at the company is to, to be curious. And I would say people live it out and, um, and it's cool. Yeah. Going to your example of, you know, walking the aisles with your kids, how is that? Um, you know, when, when you're in store in a retail location, you know, it's very much you're, you're putting that product on the shelf hoping that, you know, a child sees it and is like, Hey mom, dad, can I get this versus Amazon is totally different. I mean, it's, it's the parents, it's the actual buyer, uh, shopping it. So how is that, you know, different for you guys? Yeah, that's interesting. So I have an eight year old and I have an almost two year old, um, taking a two year old to target right now is, um, not advisable. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I don't know. I can imagine why. (laughs) this season of life. I don't know. You never know what you're going to get when you take a, an almost two year old to uh, a store. Um, but I think back, so I've been at, I've been at the Lego group for two years. Um, came here during the pandemic. So prior to that, my son was what going back. He was five. No, he is six. Um, and so he had started to really get into building Lego sets at a really young age. So I got into it. So then also, what you cannot see on my desk, like I have a ton of the Speed Champion sets. So I kind of got started where I didn't want to spoil him. So I would just buy a Speed Champion set and build it and be like, okay, this is our set. So it's yep. like, and then it, I just, it kind of just, just like a typical adult that, that buys our products, got really into it. So that said, um, prior to me joining the company, we would go on like Amazon because I felt Amazon was like the best catalog to like, Type yep. Lego and you're going to get a lot of stuff. The Lego retail site is also very good. Um, but we just use Amazon. So, so he would just come sit with me and we'd yeah. shop. He, he would like say what he's interested. We'd open it, um, open the, the link. And then we would look on like Walmart or target for a local pickup, or I would just see if it was in stock at target. And then we'd go on a walk and go to target. So we would do, we would shop like that. And then sometimes a reversal, Sometimes we do it in person, but then you face that pressure as a parent that, uh, like my older son is really good about, like, if we said no, he would get over it. 
but you just never know, especially with yep. child too. Who knows what that's going to be like later? Um, so that's like how I would shop online. So when I, even when I applied for this job, I was like, I am like the perfect person you're going after. Like yeah. I, I put that in my cover letter because I shopped at Walmart, Target, and Amazon, and sometimes Barnes and Noble. My mom was all about Barnes and Noble. Yep. That's like what our department deals with, um, and some other retailers. So. So that's how we would shop. And then once I got hired, we would use the little retail site and go by theme because by then he was six and a half and he was having a feel for like, he didn't want just any set. He wanted, I want this fireman or policeman set or um, now he's into, he was into Minecraft. And then he, (laughs) birthday money, we got him like some big Minecraft sets and they're sitting like over there open now he's suddenly all about Star Wars and Roblox yep. and yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I've shopped. So I think it's, I don't, there's something about being in the physical store that's nice. Yep. But I just, I don't know, maybe, so this is really, maybe not random, but I think my background of living overseas and like growing up in the nineties, you just didn't have all these choices. Right. And right. You didn't shop online in the nineties. At least I don't remember anybody shopping online back then. Um, so just even going back to traveling abroad and having minimal possessions and, yep. uh, even my wife grew up abroad. Like they didn't have all these toy yep. stores in Asia. And so I think my perspective is like, I don't need to go into the store cause it's not a necessity. And like, Big pictures, our standard of living is insanely high in the U.S. Like, you go to Canada, I visit my family in Canada, we go to like a Walmart or Target, and it's like our grocery stores. It's our world, our country is crazy. Like, we have so many choices. A lot of excess here. A lot of excess. So then my mentality is like, oh, we can just buy things online. But then I think for special occasions, it's really great taking the kids to the store I'm like answering this in a very long way because I think it isn't that simple. Some people prefer to be in person. I think, I think Lego sets are pretty sweet and that you can see it in person and grab the box and kind of a better idea. Like our, the digital merch team is great. We have great images, but I see some people wanting to go in person a little more, but also I use target pickup like three or four times a week it saves so much time by not having to go into a store. And if you kind of know what you want, uh, you know, that works. It's like, it's like Amazon prime without having to wait for your package to ship. You just drive down and pick it up yourself. So target pickup is the most amazing thing ever. Like yesterday, my son's, I took in the practice and his ball popped. So while I'm waiting for his practice, I just ordered that. I called my wife. You want anything else from target? add a couple things on the way home from target. We pick it up. And I had my two, my almost two year old with me. So imagine if I had to like go to the store, it's eight o'clock at night. The little one is going to be terrorizing my life. Uh, but instead we just roll up and roll out. So yeah. Take the hassle out of walking in and out of the aisles. I totally get it. Yeah. But we still buy a ton on Amazon, right? Like we're just an average family that, two parents working, kids are in school and you just find yourself busy. Our kids, my older son walks to school. We're so close. So we have a lot of ways to save time, but we still feel super busy. So, yeah, no, we, I, I get it. (laughs) 
with uh you mentioned you kind of search Amazon um going back to your topic about you know the retail versus e-commerce side of of shopping Lego um have you guys seen that with a, a lot of customers is kind of Amazon is very much a bottom of the funnel type customer but have you seen that with many other customers it's like a top of funnel almost like I'm researching my products I want to look at the catalog and maybe go in store and see if they have that same product there yeah I mean I think generally speaking like that's just the consensus across the board. Like every brand I've worked at, like that is like, um, what's the word? Just kind of accepted is that's just the way the modern shopper is, but nothing specific like that. Um, I would say with supplements, I would do the same thing. I'd walk the store, I'd go to the vitamin shop or go just see like, what, what, what did a brand look like? What competitors do I see on Amazon that I don't see in an actual store, things like that. And, um, I would just go out there and shop and I forgot what the point is for sharing that. Oh, just, um, I think with supplements, it's much easier to subscribe and save with e-commerce than brick and mortar because like we subscribe and save to fish oil. I do like Red Bull energy drinks. And a lot of times it's not to save money. It's to save time. And you just know you're going to get the product that you need without needing to worry about it. So. Yeah, you don't even have to think about it when your supply gets low. It's like I already know one's coming in like two days, so takes the the thought out of it too. Yeah, which is nice. and with supplements, you're like, oh man, I guess I'm not on track because I have too many left in this last one. So we're talking a little bit about um, kind of repeat purchase rates on, I guess, supplements and and Lego sets. Um, one thing we've talked about here on the podcast before is DSP. I'm not sure if you have any um, experience using DSP as long as it's been around. I dabbled a little. So at my last job, um, you couldn't just get self-service back in 2020. So we had to go through an agency. So I did like the RFP process um, for search advertising and DSP separate. Because back then, even like not everybody could even do DSP. So I like set it up. I set up the strategy. And after a month, I, I got this job. And then here, I don't touch DSP. There's a lot of things where like, work at a bigger brand you start to touch less things which is um when you've come from like a lot like even a large brand like you kind of are having to touch everything and then and then you're not so that's why it's like that's why i'm like i need to learn dsp stay on top of it hey we just do advertising and i still don't feel like i have my arms around everything that i can yet so we're, we're in the same boat that's one of the things that when i first connected with destiny on linkedin it was like she was posting a lot of tests or like posting so much stuff and like not afraid to be wrong or like was kind of fearless about it, which like talking with other peers, um, we'll talk about like being a guest on a podcast or like publishing stuff. And there's kind of that concern that I don't want to post something that's incorrect. It's like we started this conversation. I mean, we're all learning from each other. Nobody started this as an expert. We're all, you know, learning from each other's lessons and tests. So that's what it is, is, hey, this is what I'm trying. And a couple of weeks later, it worked or it didn't work. And here's why. Yeah, like I remember there was one test I did. I was going after this like kind of keyword category within the toy category. And I thought for sure I was going to nail it. And like after I think 10 days, I just was like, you know what? This is not working out. <laughs> and uh, I had to ditch it. Or like sponsor display ads when they first started they would take attribution for like every single one of your sales. So you're saying you've been in it like two years to so like three years ago. 
I was on my account and I was spending very little on sponsored display, but it was taking like credit for literally every cell in the account. I was like, this is literally impossible. Like, um, and so that was like, that was a glitch on Amazon side or however they were doing stuff. So it's like, well, this is not incremental. So like, I didn't, I just was like, okay, I'll spend money on it, but I'm not going to put any, any like value in this reporting, but now it's different. Now it's much more structured. Um, you know, it's well established that it's a great way to do brand defense on those two spots right below the fold. Um, so Amazon's testing stuff, even right. Like they do their betas and like one was like, um, or wait, I'm like, I don't know if that one's rolled out yet. So I don't know if I can say there's just a, a report beta. I'll just put it that way. And I pulled out a super cool report and, uh, but then I was finding data that was like impossible to be accurate. It was like saying we sold this product or we advertise this product. We, we haven't advertised this in years. It's like long gone. Um, so that stuff happens. I think the expectation now is like things roll out. There's going to be mistakes. There's, it's not going to be accurate. And so like have healthy expectations, which I feel like when I came from the smaller brand side, you have these sky high expectations that everything needs to be perfect because kind of it needs to be perfect for your business, but then it doesn't really have to be perfect necessarily. Like if my display doesn't work, it's like, well, that's just 5% of, you know, misspend or something. So. Yeah. And you shouldn't pivot your whole business on that or pivot your business on a, a new beta that's giving you some data that is potentially incorrect. So yeah, and it really, I mean, at the end of the day, like you're just, it's keyword based search for the most part outside of DSP. And like, that's still the bread and butter. Like the fundamentals of Amazon have not changed for five years or longer. You got to have a great PDP. You got to find the right keywords. You got to have the right price. You got to, you know, research like fish oil supplement. What's the average price on page one? It's 32, it's twenty nine ninety nine, and my product's 33. Okay, I'll do that. My $70 product is going to be harder to push on that, on that page. Like that is all the same. It's all, he has, has changed a lot of things, but search it's, it's all the same. The tools change. There's a plus premium content now, but the fundamentals are all the same. So, yeah, there is no secret, you know, trick or lever you can pull to, to do these things. It's really, you know, doing the basics, doing them well, and and that'll get you 80, 90, 95% of the way there. Yeah. And that's, I mean, if you have the basics down, then when there are, you know, mistakes or mishaps, it's just like, well, I've got most, you can recover quickly if you, if you're doing everything else right. So awesome. man. well, I don't want to take too much more of your time. I appreciate you cutting out, you know, an hour of your Friday for me. Yeah. I'm ready for the weekend. I'm sure you are too. It's, it's almost there. I got a few more hours. So 